Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Aracha, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, if you're not already, please become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. And as usual, we've got Ishmael Johnson on the line. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what up, buddy? Well, uh, I think we finally have a few answers about what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. It seems like every other day, like, things just get weirder. Like, now there's this whole case about, like, you know, all these Big Ten parents coming out and trying to campaign. Like, I don't know, man. This is... I, I knew... We all knew, right, that this yeah. was going to be one of the weirdest stories of our lifetime, but, like... I don't think I could have even written this, right? Like, right, even as right. a fiction piece. Yeah, like, the, the level, the layers that are coming out, the, I don't want to say contradictions, but, like, the 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 rogue programs coming out saying one thing, and then, like, the conference doing another, and, of course, we talk about the NCAA not doing anything, and so, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all those different factors and all the different threads and storylines just... Just made for something that, yeah, it's it was hard to see coming, right? <laughs> like, I feel like it's almost akin to, like, like world building almost, <laughs> like in fiction. <laughs> it, it's almost just like, well, you know, I mean, well, if we cancel this, then obviously we got to create, like, some, some counteraction to that, right? Like, we got to right. have people stand up, and it's just like, you know, otherwise we, we can't drive forward the plot. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the weird thing is that, obviously, this is real life, and this is happening, and, oh, man, it is... It's it's, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. Yes, it's a lot. <laughs> it's always it's always kind of interesting being in this uh, in this kind of situation as a sports writer, right? Like, I mean, yeah. as a lot of people probably know, you know, I I covered Baylor back, um, you know, when all of that was happening. Let's say, and yeah. uh, and you know, so that reminded me real quick that uh, sports reporting is not contained to the to the athletic fields, but mm-hmm. this is still. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a whole nother level. <laughs> right right yeah (laughs) so um but yeah i'm trying to remember where we left off last week i don't know whether the southland had con uh, had canceled by the time that we uh reported last week but with the southland canceling that means that officially every single sub fbs uh conference will not play its main conference schedule in the fall. Now, mm-hmm. there's some exceptions. Uh, I know for one, the NAIA Sooner Athletic Conference is giving teams the option to play up to three games, but I don't know whether any Texas schools are taking that. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that we'll definitely talk about a little bit later is that the Southland did leave open open excuse me, the option of playing fall non-conference games. The conference schedule will play, be played in the spring, but... Uh, in the fall, you know, for example, Houston Baptist is getting paid $400,000 to go play against Texas Tech. Uh, the Southland Conference is not going to mess with their money. But right. um, but obviously a pretty big paradigm shift. I believe at this point every single FCS conference has, has opted to move conference play to the spring. So um, I think the Ohio Valley Conference was the last one to do it. So uh, look, I mean... If the spring ends up being sort of a small college showcase, I'll be perfectly okay with that. But uh, but the Southland was kind of the last loose thread that we had, and they have now made a decision. Yeah, it, it, that, that was kind of the one we were waiting on. And yeah, I mean, we, we'll talk about the spring when it happens or when it gets around there. But obviously, it, 
it's just it was just as naive to not have a plan for the fall. It's just as naive to not think about the spring now or very near future, um, just as it was naive to not think about the fall back when this all kicked off. So we'll be seeing stuff, you know, come out about that and how those arrangement arrangements are going to be done uh, pretty soon, or at least I hope so. Or we'll be back to where we where we where we were uh, this month. <laughs> right, right. And one thing to keep in mind with all of this, right, is that mm-hmm. the point of doing something like this is now you got like an extra four months to try to put this together. And yeah. uh, we had a previous five months before this and did nothing with it. So let's try to be a little bit better this time. <laughs> right. But um, let's let's move on. OK, we, we've talked a lot about not football <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, talk about the football that we do, at, at least at this point, think is happening. So yeah. Um, so let's start off. Uh, a lot of uh, schedules have been finalized in the Power Five, especially at this point. Um, the first one to come out was Texas A&M. Uh, mm-hmm. The SEC moving to a 10-game conference schedule. And on top of that, I was kind of curious how they were going to handle it, but um, they did end up kind of shuffling some of the games. So mm-hmm. they didn't just maybe add to somewhere in there. They, they actually did sort of move things all the way around. So... Uh, instead of <laughs> 10 winnable games to start the season, Texas A&M oh, man. starts with Vanderbilt, goes at Alabama versus Florida in the first three <sighs> weeks of the year. Man, so remember how this was supposed to be the year that Hanham walked into Tuscaloosa with, what was it, 8-0, 9-1, 10-0, yeah, yeah, that's what we kind of had them at. Yeah, um... <laughs> Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Um, to be fair, to be fair, uh, they yeah. will walk in most likely undefeated. undefeated. Right, right, yes, o. yes. That, 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 that remains the same. They will probably walk into Tuscaloosa 1-0. If they don't, we got bigger problems. But um, that has not changed. Uh, just the fact that it's not going to be 1-0-0 is just going to be a flat 1-0. and um, <laughs> Listen, that, your goal is to go 1-0 every week. You know what? That is not wrong. Um, Well, I'll say the good thing was uh, their LSU outlook hasn't changed. You know, we were like, oh, yeah, they're probably going to have one loss going to LSU, right? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, maybe. Probably two now with Florida. But, you know, that that hasn't changed. Um, Yeah, God, how, how... I mean, I guess in a vacuum, considering everything else that's happened this summer, like, they're probably happy to be, you know have a plan for playing football or, you know, some semblance of a plan, you know, whether it's this schedule or whatever, but yeah, man, this was supposed to be a setup for something really, really special. And I'm not saying it can't happen, right? Not going to say it can't happen, but it's definitely not the, the type of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the outlook, Right, that uh, right. A&M fans or A&M or even Jimbo probably was looking forward to. Well, and the thing is too, right? Like, I think that you look at the two games that they add because they replaced Colorado, North Texas, I believe it's Abilene Christian and Fresno State. Uh, yeah. You know, those games are gone. Those were four potential wins. I mean, games they really, really, really should have won, obviously. Right. Um, and so you replace it with Florida at home. And Tennessee on the road. Now, the two things that I'll say actually about both of those games, right? I am curious to see what kind of factor home field advantage is mm-hmm. in uh, in 2020 because we're talking about 
probably at best 25% capacity whenever we get to the season. Um, you know, so so look, this isn't going to be going to Neyland and, you know, playing in front of 100,000 people, right? So that's mm-hmm. the one plus. But the other thing that I'll say to that is that I feel like you would have rather had Tennessee at home and, yep. you know, made that a 50-50 game. Whereas, you know, I mean, Florida's certainly the same caliber, I think, as Texas A&M. Like, I think that Texas A&M could certainly beat Florida, but that is a much, much tougher game. Uh, you know, we we obviously know that Kyle Trask, who played on Manville, I mean, he's probably the best returning quarterback in the SEC next year, and you get him in week three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering, well, that's the other thing is, like, what does home field advantage mean now? Right. right. Um, obviously, they're they're gonna you know some schools. I think A and M announced today actually that they're gonna allow twenty five thirty percent. What it? I think it was Sam thirty right it. now. Yeah. Okay. So um, so you know there is there's not gonna be like an empty stadium, right? Right. Um, but I do wonder what that means in general. Um, you know, are you gonna have? Is it gonna be something? Is, is, there is something to you know traveling on the road in general you know as far as like sleeping in your own bed and routine and things like that like that those are factors too but like we talk about kyle field as being an intimidating environment we talk about tuscaloosa being an intimidating environment is it as intimidating <laughs> when you have significantly less and they're all spaced out and they're you know what we're assuming the protocols are going to be what does home field advantage look like in the sec um under these under these protocols well, and, and actually one thing that, you know, may, maybe this is a story idea, but uh, but one thing is I think that the tougher thing for all of them is going to be more of the pain and struggle of, like, travel. I, I think that that's yeah. going to be more of the, the issue. And, you know, I am very curious, right, because I'm, I'm trying to think through, uh, you know, geographically, right, because Tennessee should be a pretty easy flight straight to Knoxville, right, right. whereas, like, Alabama and Auburn, you know, I think you have to go like an hour outside of Birmingham once you fly into there. So it's not like the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot imagine that a Mississippi State trip is a fun one. <laughs> right, right. That, that's just, a, I mean, because uh, I think that they're in northeast Mississippi. So like they're not cl- that close to Jackson or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine that it's a flight into Jackson or maybe even into Birmingham and like a multiple hour drive. Like if we're talking about the Big 12, like for example... I think that West Virginia is still going to have, you know, between weather and and the terrible travel schedule of Morgantown, uh, may, maybe that's the home field advantage. Who knows? But yeah, it's <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting. It's you know, and and not to get too far on another note, but you know, it has been interesting from that perspective, right? Like with the NBA being in the bubble, we've seen mm-hmm. how losing home court advantage has been pretty significant in the first couple series with, you know, both one seeds losing, the Clippers yeah. nearly losing. I, I mean, I'm not saying that it that that's the reason that because, you know, there aren't fans there is the reason, but it, it's definitely a significant factor. Sure. No, I mean, I, I think that was um, – I was talking to one of our coworkers about that earlier today when we talked about the Lakers and Blazers. And the when I was watching that game last night, you know, I thought the, or actually no, it was the it was the Mavericks and the Clippers this series, and I thought, I basically looked at what happened in the in game one, and I was like, man, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a close four game series, but the Clippers pull it out. But if this was that, if they had home court, I thought the Mavericks could maybe pull out five or six because Dallas in a playoff environment is a really good environment, 
and that's a really young team that feeds off of that. Um, obviously, we're transitioning sports here, but you you get you get the point where it's like those toss up scenarios. Something like home field or home court flips it right, like it goes the other way, based off that the, you know the energy. The I'm not a believer of momentum, but I am a believer of energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And so like there's adrenaline, and there's something that there's something that gets in players when they hit a big three and the crowd goes wild and they just feel amped. Uh, when when you hit, when you get a big sack or a big pick or force a fumble and you just feel amped up and you're ready to go and like. Yeah, that'll that'll still happen to some extent because you know you still get players still get hyped in practice on eleven on elevens and things like that. But like, there's not going to be that massive roar that so many of these teams are used to experiencing when something just seismic happens in a game, right? Yeah, um, and I mean, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you what uh, the one of the moments that will always stick with me is you know I was on the field during that seven overtime game right and mm, yeah. that moment when Kellen Mond throws the two point conversion yeah. was absolutely insane just yeah. just unbelievably insane like like a moment that I you know I wasn't playing in the game I'm not a Texas A&M fan or anything like that but like holy crap that energy you know and yeah I know <laughs> and I, I do think it is going to be kind of fun to figure out, you know, because you do sort of expect with 18 to 23-year-old kids that maybe the effect is even greater than, obviously, professionals. Um, mm-hmm. It is going to be kind of interesting to see, like, if home field advantage kind of, you know, disappears in some ways. I think that that's, that's kind of a fun thing for fans because it's like, oh, okay, maybe this does mean something that, you know, I'm wearing my, you know, maroon and I'm wearing my whatever and, and you yeah. know, and all of us are getting together. It does sort of add to it. Whereas, you know, it is kind of funny to think like if nothing changed, I do think that's a little bit of a letdown, right? Sure, <laughs> sure. I think I think one of the other experiments I'm going to be interested in seeing is like, you know, it's no secret that college attendance is dying, and it's 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 it was dying because you know the home experience is getting better, right? It's easier to watch a game in your ace, especially in the South, in the AC with you know twenty thousand different camera angles, and you know everything's at your disposal. Um, and sometimes to some people, it's it's cheaper as well, right? Especially with student tickets and things oh, like that go, sure. uh, going up in pricing. But we all admit, I think universally that the crowd is what part what makes college football to some people better than the NFL or more yeah. more enjoyable or at least in the very at the very least it's more unique that way as For opposed sure. to NFL crowds and now you know we get to put that to the test right because we get to see like okay what happens if like almost everybody's at home <laughs> you know do we enjoy it as much do we focus on maybe things like that we that we're maybe more willing to overlook in the college game like the quality of play to a man, right? Um, certain things like that that I'm really interested in seeing. I th- I don't think it'll be that big of an issue for my for myself personally because again there are things outside of individual talent that I appreciate about college and high school as opposed to pros. But when you take an element that everybody universally agrees is some is something so vital, what happens to your enjoyment of it? Yeah, it is going to be really interesting. So let me go through the rest of the schedule real quick. So after the Mm -hmm. Florida game, we're going at Mississippi State, a bye week, uh, versus Arkansas, which, by the way, will be at Kyle Field, will not be at a neutral site this year, Uh, at South Carolina, at Tennessee, versus Ole Miss, versus LSU, and then Mm -hmm. they close out at Auburn. So, 
you look kind of at after those first, uh, you know, those first two tests at Alabama versus Florida, you're still yeah. going at Mississippi State, Arkansas, at South Carolina, at Tennessee is probably their first sort of major test after that. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see uh, what Tennessee does look like in the next year of, of, uh, of their era. But sure. then, you know, versus Ole Miss, and then you still have the LSU game and the Auburn game, right? So they still kind of finish with that difficult end of the season. But right. the middle is, I don't want to call it manageable because it's still going to be very difficult. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, look, there's still plenty of ways for Texas A&M to turn this into a special season. And the other thing, you know, that, that I'd be curious about too is, you know, Alabama in week two of the season, they're still going to be playing with, you know, Mac Jones still trying to figure it out a little bit, I'd imagine. Right. You know? Yeah, I think we, we kind of brought that up uh, when the schedule, the first schedule was released, and we're saying, don't you kind of want to catch Alabama uh, early? Right. Right? And so I'm wondering, like, okay, is there something to, you know, is there a glass half full type thing with this? Right? Obviously, you'd like to be able to build up a season full of steam and go, maybe go into Alabama with confidence, but... I mean, Alabama's working on a new quarterback. Like, that's that's not something to be taken lightly. Yeah. Now, I will say, I definitely think that you would have liked to have the LSU game early if you had to pick between the two. Sure. Because sure. LSU's replacing so much. But it uh, should be a lot of fun. I mean, the one thing that you obviously say about all of this is like, all right, you know, 10 legit, legit games, right? Not sort of mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, not, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know you know us we love the group of five we love the fcs all that sort of stuff but you know it, right. it is it is different to kind of know okay you're getting 10 real games here not you know yeah. a maybe a 50 50 game and then you know three again like i what am i learning from from texas and i'm playing north texas right like i love north right. texas i i'm not learning anything from it so it will be kind of fun to get to see 10 sort of truly competitive games uh let's move on now um so there were three new big 12 scheduling decisions that that came out uh, none of them were super unexpected, but but interesting nonetheless. So we have Texas. They decided to keep their game against UTEP. Uh, I think I mentioned it a little bit last week, but getting to keep that money in the UT system kind of seemed like a no-brainer, and it was already mm-hmm. scheduled. Um, Baylor has decided to play Louisiana Tech, especially after Incarnate Word, who was the other scheduled game, decided to not play at all in the fall. They're going to push everything to the spring. Mm-hmm. And then TCU, uh, they lost their game against Tennessee Tech once the Ohio Valley Conference canceled. So they've decided to come back and they're going to play SMU uh, as they previously were going to, but the game now moves from Dallas to Fort Worth. So out of, out of those three games, does any kind of stick out to you? Uh, well, first go. Let's. I want to hear yours because you've been dissecting these schedules. Yeah, I. So, I'm obviously glad that we get uh that we get the skillet back, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that that was such a fun game last year. I'm glad that we get to see Shane Bouchard go against that defense. I will again. say that was such an odd cancellation at the time. Yeah. So the thing that's weird about it, right, is that uh-huh. you know the game was supposed to be in Dallas, right? That that's sort of the whole deal, and. You know, usually when they schedule these games, they sort of schedule them, per se, two for one. So then you're going, like, alternating. So then SMU was probably like, well, if you want us to come here, you're going to have to pay us, right? And TCU is probably right. like, I don't, you know, we don't want to pay you the the price that it would cost for SMU to come. We'd rather pay, you know, Tennessee Tech $300,000 than pay you right. 800 or I, I don't know the numbers, whatever. Right. Um, at the same time, <laughs> th- this feels like 
this feels like something that's just like, all right, whatever, give us the next two, and mm-hmm. you know, and and we'll obviously adjust this year because like we'll quit being petty about it. Yeah. Right, right, and I mean, I'm sure that the big thing too is that like this obviously sucks for you know SMU season ticket holders who mm-hmm. you know who since there's only going to be 25% capacity, you know, they might not be able to go see it live. And this would have been a prime opportunity to get to see again, Shane Bouchelle play against a, a power five team. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'd be curious to see whether TCU made any concessions in that case to try to get at least some SMU fans in the stands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, look, I think that that's clearly the most interesting game of these three. Uh, but, you know, I, I will also say too, I, I think that Louisiana Tech is a very interesting team. They won 10 games last year. Uh, they bring back their coach, Skip Holtz. Um, you know, they do lose basically their entire defense, but so right. does Baylor. So I, mm-hmm. I'm really curious. I, not that I think that Louisiana Tech is a team that should beat Baylor, but I think they could keep it interesting. It's a, I was about to say, that's a, it's a competitive team that, you know, is, has a good coach, right? Skip Holtz has done a really good job there. He's been linked to other jobs, it seems like, the past couple of years. <clears throat> But um, yeah, I think that's a good that's a good test to see where Baylor is at because I mean it's not like like you said it's not a team that should beat Baylor or that Baylor should really struggle with but it's also a team to where I think you could take make some small conclusions at it if Baylor comes out and dominates then it's like okay that's interesting because Baylor had a lot to has a lot of question marks right under Randa under a new offense things like that if they come out and throw for 450 yards and all of a sudden you know they win by 30 it's like okay let's let's see what we got with this Larry Fedora offense um I kind of agree with that one though for me the little football nerd in me likes the idea of Texas and UTEP playing and then once I actually watch the game I'm gonna realize that why did I why was I ever interested in this but you know (laughs) yeah yeah I mean look I have been very consistent uh, since I've taken this job, basically, that I am absolutely a UTEP homer. But, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know what exactly optimistic I could take from this game. Um, in fact, I think that this is a good transition, right? So, yeah. so Stephen F. Austin, out of all the Southland teams, is being the most aggressive about trying to play in the fall. And, they, and their athletic director actually told me yesterday that not only do they want to try to play as close to a full schedule as the NCAA will allow in the fall, but they actually don't want to play at all in the spring. If the Southland plays in the spring at all, they they're going to try to opt out. They're going to try to not play. Um, And, and, you know, I I think that their, I think that their reasoning was pretty sound, which is that, you know, first of all, that, um, that, you know, spring to fall, you know, in 2021 is going to be something that I think we need to be really worried about from a safety sure. perspective. Sure. Um, and, and for them, they were basically like, this, any games that we get to play, any practices that we get to do in fall 20 are, you know, sort of, you know, easy games, right? Like, there's they don't cost us anything. We, we anticipate that, um, that at least, uh, a, that a team would, will be able to play at least half of a schedule without exhausting eligibility. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we've seen at the Division Two and Division Three level so far. A ruling supposed to come out on that today, potentially, um, mm-hmm. hopefully by the time that you're listening. Um, so, you know, they're going to play as many games as the NCAA allows them to play and not do that. Now, all that said, that doesn't necessarily fully, you know, in my opinion, take into account the situation right that we're doing right, right. the I reason what, why everybody's delaying but right but well, that I is their from, logic for sfa in particular again yeah you like you mentioned like situation aside um 
they're in a unique way to what because my question is what benefit do they have again situation aside playing in the spring they're yeah. banned yeah. right yeah. they're they're postseason banned so even if the ncaa comes out and says yeah fcs tournament goes on in the spring sfa why would sfa care like sfa should they're gonna have a reduced scholarship numbers they're gonna have no chance of making the the, the playoffs so you know if it does happen um and they're gonna be playing with smaller numbers anyway and so it's like why not just you like why bother you know going up trying to throw what you can at the wall in the spring when you can just use this as development in the, right. in the fall like you know, um you know because there are they're gonna be a young team as it is right and so like it's I can see where they're coming from when they're just looking at it from a developmental perspective. It makes complete sense to me. Like, yeah, they you, again, and and then also you you take into account the 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 spring to fall thing. Like, already with reduced numbers, like that's just an even bigger red flag if I'm SFA. So, yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, what I'm curious about, and I guess I'm I'm assuming the NCAA would let them get away with it, but. Would they just let this? Would they let this year count for the ban? I would imagine so. Just the the big reason that I'd imagine so too is that, um, you know, if you are a recruit and you go mm-hmm. to SFA, you know, you're you're working with the assumption that in this timeline, like I'm losing my first year, but then I get four tries at it potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my assumption. Now. I don't have information on that. I don't, you know, that's not reporting. That's that's my assumption. And sure. it seems like they're approaching it from that perspective, at least. So uh, I do think it would be a little bit of a surprise if they said retroactively, no, actually 21 is going to be the year that you have to lose your uh, lose a postseason chance. Yeah, um, that's a, that's I'm really curious about that because the <laughs> this is kind of the the murkiness of the NCAA where they could literally come out and say, "Yeah, but there were if they, if they don't move the playoffs to the spring as well, they could say, "Yeah, but there was no playoffs, so it doesn't count." You know, like right. <laughs> and so I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and and look, I think that uh I think that if you're SFA, you're probably betting that you can hire good enough lawyers that there can be enough public pressure that that you can make that argument at least. And, sure. and, and I think it's a decent argument, right? Like, I don't think it's a bad argument. I, I, I think that it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, and the thing is too, right? Like, and I know that <laughs> this is true of, of most schools, right? But talking to a lot of Southland athletic directors and, and I'll have the story coming out and hopefully the next day or so on, on kind of how things happened in the Southland and where they go from here. But um, but, you know, one thing was that SFA is is very – they've tried to be very aggressive with their protocol, so they feel very confident. Now, mm-hmm. look, everybody says that until, you know, something happens. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but you know, I know that, I know that uh, they've tried to be out ahead of this and be prepared and, and all this sort of stuff. And the other thing, too, is that – Financially, I know they do have, relative to some other Southland schools, the resources to be able to do that consistently versus, you know, some other Southland schools. Like, I mean, again, Louisiana schools are not funded the same way that the schools mm-hmm. in Texas are funded. Um, and, and obviously don't have the alumni base that potentially SFA has. So, look, obviously, we want this to work. We want everything to be okay. Uh, but... You know, like you said, I think that if you are SFA and you're looking at this, you don't gain anything from playing in the spring other than wearing down your players, even if you mm-hmm. play a limited schedule. And so, and, and actually, that actually gets me to another point, was which is, 
you know, with the spring, I, I am curious too, like, you know, with a, with a Mary Harden Baylor, with the Texas A&M Commerce, without there being a national championship, um, do they kind of just use the spring as like a developmental period where they're kind of playing their JV teams? You know, do they, do they sure. bother trying to play their best players? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, do they, do they, guys who were maybe scheduled to slate to start in the fall, they just say, yeah, no, you're going to redshirt, right? Or upperclassmen that, you know, they might want to keep. They just say, yeah, you're going to redshirt to keep your senior eligibility. Or, well, well, and know. I will say that they'll actually get to keep eligibility regardless. That's, that is plans. true. That is true. Yeah. I forgot about that. I did forget yeah. about that. But yeah, I, to, to keep hold, to keep their um, durability, basically, um, yeah. I could, yeah. I could see them. I could see them using it because I mean it's more. <laughs> this is going to be so weird because because of the fact that they're going to try to roll over into the fall as well. Like, right. what do we look at this as? Right? Let's say the Big Ten and the Southland and all these conferences that are moving to the spring. Let's say they actually pull it off. Like, what do we look at it as? Like, right. how do how how in the world are we supposed to digest that? As it's hard to say like it feels illegitimate, but it almost feels illegitimate because we know that none of these teams are going to jeopardize their fall. Right. And, you know, for me, I think that one of the weird things, right. Is that, um, you know, if you're like, I, I have absolutely no problem with the, with the big 10 and pac 12 wanting to postpone and push. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if you are the Big Ten, and let's say, right, that everything kind of stays the same, that the Big 12, SEC, and ACC miraculously managed to play a whole season and, and there's a playoff and all that sort of stuff, right? Like, then what are you exactly doing in the Big Ten? You know, like, right. what's, what's the point? Because there's no title to play for. I mean, again, it, does it just become a do, – do, does the Big Ten and Pac-12 try to kind of create their own advantage where, again, they get maybe a half a season and just use it as development time, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know I don't know what the plan is. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just so weird. And this is <laughs> – I know we keep harping on it, but this is why the NCAA should have come out with a, with a bigger decision to try and do something about this because this is, sure. just, this is insane. I mean, if you are – the other thing too is like if you're a group of five conference, like you're just kind of like, well, I mean, if I'm UTEP, I don't want to lose one point four million dollars from Texas, so I guess I'll play because yeah. I can get all that money. <laughs> and and actually, uh, just to, to roll back a little bit, the the reason that I that that was the transition was that SFA's athletic director actually said yesterday that he is trying to identify FBS programs to play that they would feel like they would at least have a chance to be competitive against. And there's been a mm-hmm. lot of rumors that uh, that UTEP's going to schedule SFA, and that's going to be one of their non-conference games. And mm. uh, look, I <laughs> again, <laughs> all love and respect to my beloved UTEP minors, but uh, uh. but I do think um, I do think that they would quite fit the role of of a team that SFA could be competitive with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, it's it's obviously a weird time and there's just not a lot of clarity and and one note too is that is that you know we've seen already that Michigan State and North Carolina have come back to campus and already moved all online because of the cases going up so fast and yeah we've you know I've seen photos from uh you know I know the University of Georgia and Oklahoma State where already you know bars are packed and and we're just worried that you know this is just the start of the next wave so I am curious to see, you know, like North Carolina has already 
decided that they're going to push everybody off campus except for the athletes, right? And kind of create their own bubble. What are kind of your thoughts on that? I mean, is that something that, first of all, do you think it's something that can work? And second of all, uh, do you think it's right in the context of this model? It's like, like kind of their own autonomous bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, in my opinion, I think the NBA and the NHL are proving that it's the only way it could work. Right. Um, uh, let me rephrase that. The only way it could work with almost completely, almost 100% no cases, right? Right. Um, and the MLS and NWSL as well. I'll mention them too. But do I think... <laughs> this kind of boils back to the non-football discussions we were having the past couple of weeks, but it's like, what grounds do you have to stand on that these guys are student athletes at that point? Right. Right. Like <laughs> in order to get these guys to lock down in a bubble and say, Hey, you're going to play football for, you know, X amount of time. Great. But they also, aren't they also technically students that have to go to class and do X, Y, and Z too? Like, <laughs> you know, like that's what, that's what you're, that's what this whole, thing is supposed to be about and why they logistically can't do that right now um so yeah so the answer is yes but also no (laughs) because yes that's the way to do it but no i don't think they have grounds to do it effectively or in good faith yeah i i think that for me from the beginning, my thought process, right, is mm-hmm. uh, like th- this is the Shahan plan, let's say, right? Yeah. Y- you bring your athletes back to campus and you are you be very clear with them in the very first, you know, the very first interaction with them. Like we're going to have some extremely stringent rules that are unfair, right? Like right, that are right, built right, to right. be authoritarian, right? Mm-hmm. You, uh, If you choose to play a football season this year, you will be sequestered in a certain dorm or apartment complex. You will Mm -hmm. only be allowed to go to and from practice, basically. You will have food delivered to you. More or less, you'll be shuttled to and from practice, basically. Right. And and, and again, maybe have some common areas, but like... Sure. There's going to be somebody on every floor making sure you guys aren't, you know, doing shit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Again, basically a mini bubble. And, And for a lot of players, they'll be like, that's garbage, I don't want that. And you say... Totally fine, you know, take the year off, right? <laughs> like, right, you, right. You know, you're allowed, here's your opt-out, right? Right, right. Um, and, and we respect that, totally fine. Um, but again, like you said, <laughs> at that point, you are just wildly acknowledging <laughs> that these are not normal students. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, within this context, you are saying you are only taking online classes. That is right, all, yeah, that's the other thing taking. too, right. Yeah, and so... That or we're obviously like creating sort of tutored class for students on, which I mean, it's a whole other thing, right? So mm-hmm. that's what it would take. That is the only way that I see, you know, it, without the context of, of amateurism and NCAA, that's the only way that I can see this working, right? Is mm-hmm. if you were that strict. And I think that actually one thing that we're seeing is that at some of the lower levels, I, I don't know whether they've gone to all those extents, but but some schools are kind of trying to to treat it like that you know they're they're trying to to say like you need to be mostly sequestered now the thing is right like i i think that i mentioned last week um that Elijah Drinkwitch was like well no we can't do a bubble because then one guy goes to get wings and then the bubbles burst like yeah that's the point you got to plan for yeah. that 
that, that's right. what this is all built around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, look, if you, if you want to do, if you want to try and do that, I think that that's what <laughs> school should have been spending the last four months of their lives doing is mm-hmm. trying to, to do something like that. So I look, I think that both of us are obviously hopeful that this can get done and this can get done safely. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that there's, you know, I think that certain schools are doing it better than others, right? Like sure, I think that sure. some schools are being very aggressive and, and mm-hmm. trying their best. And, and, you know, I, I, did see like uh, Baylor's athletic director said they're going to test three times a week. They're going to test at the beginning of the week, three days before the game and 24 hours before the game. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's about as good as you can ask for. Right. Like that's, that's perfectly reasonable in the context of this, but that's, that's the kind of rigor that it takes. And, yeah. um, and, and like also another program that I'll, I'll give some credit to as well as, you know, we, Especially among us, like, you know, Dabo Swinney is kind of a punching bag at times. For of course, of course. His very, his very cliched coach speak and very cheesy, you know, coach speak at times. And obviously some things he says about player payment and all that stuff, despite what he gets paid. Sure. But Clemson's been very open about yeah. everything going on. And when it comes to comparing them to other programs, they're at the very top, near the very top, as far as being open to testing, being open to results, being open to what their protocols are. Like, that is a program that, you know, for all the crap we give them about other stuff, that is a program that's been very open and transparent about what's going on with COVID. I mean, we were all very panicky and very, you know... Uh, judgmental about them back in June when they came back with all these, you know, rightfully so when they came back with all these positive tests. But again, they were open about them saying, Hey, here's what we have. Here's what we're doing. Here's the results. Here's the X, Y, and Z. Here's our protocol. They've been some, they've been one of the model um, uh, programs as far as tracking this thing. And that you're not seeing that all over the place. And that's what it's going to, that's what's going to have to, that's what's going to have to change in a lot of cases to be able to, for people to have the trust and to be able to gain the trust or entrust these programs of taking care of this themselves, because that's the responsibility that they've been given by the NCAA and Clemson's proving that it could be done. Now, can it be done through, does it have to be that level of a program with that level of finance, financial, you know, uh, capabilities maybe, but we'll see, but that's, that's a good standard to set. And that's a good example that they're setting there. And I'll, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due. Clemson's handled this really well. Yeah, well, one thing, one one just sort of general question. Um, mm-hmm. If let's say that um, that you know we go and and teams are able to play a decent amount of games this season, and you know then in the spring they're able to go and and the Big Ten and Pac twelve play you know seven eight games, right? Yeah. Would it be the? What do you think it would? Uh, how do you think? I guess <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to ask the question. So like, how do you mm-hmm. think that it would? impact things would people be mad if for example they just said this is all an exhibition season there there's no national title and and like we're just you know because again there's so many not playing you know but but you still get to see your team potentially you could still earn a conference championship depending on what a conference wanted to do like would that just be completely unpalatable or would that be something that we'd still get some enjoyment out of the season that's a good question um and and let me say with that that the assumption that guys are able to keep their eligibility too. Yeah, yeah. Um, at that point, man, that's a great question. I don't, you know what? I don't think we will. I don't think it'll have a good as much of enjoyment for a lot of people. 
I think I would be because, you know, me and you were into the two deep and three deep guys that would obviously be getting shots probably around that point. But I don't know if I don't know how many teams would see it as worth it. Right. If you're if you're if you're Justin Fields, like, what do you care? Like, you know, at that point, (laughs) if you're Trevor Lawrence, what do you care at that point? Like, you know, I don't want to play North Carolina for an exhibition. I want to play them to win the ACC to hopefully go to the playoff. Right. Um, one of my, one of the things I want you, I want your thoughts on that. Well, actually first, let me hear your thoughts on that. Cause I have a, I have a chaos scenario question that was always, in the, <laughs> that was always in the back of my mind, but like, it's definitely not happening, but it was always in the back of my mind, but I want your opinion on this one first go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> first I want to, I want to preface this right with, uh-huh. with, um, my opinion that it's. Honestly, regardless of what happens, even if we get to play sort of this, you know, let's say that we get through this 10 game season and we find a way to have, you know, a national championship and all that. Mm -hmm. It's it really, really, really sucks that this will be Sam Ellinger's last year. Right. Like this chaos will be Sam Ellinger's last year, that this chaos will be Shane Bouchelle's, that this chaos will be Charlie Brewer's last year. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is assuming that this works, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think for me, some of it is selfishness of wanting, you know, I, I want Kellen Mond to get that senior year that we think he can have, you mm-hmm. know, I, I want them to be able to have, you know, obviously normal is out the window and probably will be even fall 21 to some extent, but like, you know, I want them to have this ability to, to, to shine, you know, to have their moment, have their last chance. Cause like, you know, a lot of those guys who I mentioned aren't necessarily going to be long-time NFL quarterbacks, right? Like, it's it's different for a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence who, you know, they obviously have a lot of years left. But, again, you know, for somebody like Ellinger or Brewer or Mond, like, that's not necessarily what the NFL is going to be like for them. So I think for, from that perspective, you know, I do almost wish that, that we just got to push it and, and see them in a year. Um, and, look, both of us are obviously football nerds, right? Like both yeah. of us, both of us are like, man, I get to go see, you know, Casey Thompson. All right, let's, right, let's go see right, what's yeah. up. You know, like, oh man, I get to, you know, see Jaquinn what Gary is going to get some run. Right. Like, yeah. that's awesome. I, you know, but, but obviously we're not the normal average fan, right? Like we're right. guys who are around this every single day. Like, you know what? I, I mean, look, I, I would, I would be completely down to just like, Hey, we know that, uh, you know, we know that, at Texas State, Brady McBride's only get to play, gonna get to play for a half, but I want to see that half, right? Like, right, right. I, I get into the spring games and all that, just see see you know what's going on, and and this is obviously like a better version of all of that than a spring game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. That's obviously me too. Where where I you know I want the story to be good. I want to get to see them get their shine. I want to, uh, and I would also love to see you know what some of the guys behind them can do. And and I don't know how unusual that is versus other college football fans. Sure, sure. All right, so my chaos scenario. <laughs> it was always because we don't know what's going to happen with bowl games, right? We have no idea. Absolutely. What if the playoffs just came out and said, "Yeah, we're only considering these eight teams," <laughs> just flat out, just flat out. Back in July, it was like Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, <laughs> whatever. Those are the only teams we're considering for the fourteen playoff. What and then and then and then they offered to and then like. Because at that point, we were, we're always talking about, you know, the eventual super conference or whatever. And not even if they just designate eight teams, but if they just flat out, we know it's an unwritten rule more or less. But what if they just flat out said Big 12, Big 10, SEC, ACC, Pac-12? Like, that, <laughs> that's it right there. 
And, like, because I always thought about how this would be, like, the biggest power play. This would this environment would be, the, would be the biggest power play possible by the Power Five. Because at that point, like, if the playoff just came out and said that, then they could organize a bubble. <laughs> if they just came out and said, here's the five conferences that we're considering we're going to put them in whatever state or these these four states or these four bubbles or whatever and we're going to play the season and that's it <laughs> like college football would be would have been done. like again that's me conspiring you know against or me thinking worst case scenario and cons, you know conspiracy theory but like i had that thought for like a fleeting second in july and i was like this environment right now would be the most evil power play to like actually get the thing that everybody's worried about done <laughs> well well here's the thing right you yeah. mentioned you know you mentioned a little bit earlier right the whole amateurs in play and the whole like stu- you know stu- uh, athletes being students first yeah. and foremost that that goes away right right uh the other thing that this would cause what this would cause like the veil of fbs football to go away too right sure like, sure and and on top of that it would it would kind of cause the veil of you know Blue Bloods versus everybody else to go away. And, yeah, yeah. And here, here's the funny thing about college football, is that college football is built on a lie that your team can win to. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that is what... You know what, uh, SMU, if you had just, you know, not stumbled against uh, against Navy, you could have... Maybe you could have been there, too. Maybe, you know? just maybe, right? Yeah. Right, just maybe, right? Uh, you know, Baylor, if... if if you had found a way to win in the playoff or uh, in the Big 12 title game against Oklahoma, you could have been there too. You never yeah. will be, but you could have been. You could have been. And so for that reason, I mean, obviously this is something I would never be proposed, obviously, but like Right. But you know, it the veneer of of like not even parody, but like of competitiveness goes away at that point, sure. you know, like like then then last year, right? If let's say that this happened and you know what happened last year happened the next season right like we don't talk about minnesota right we don't talk about minnesota having that great run we don't talk about again baylor we don't talk about i mean who who else really broke out last year i mean it's been so freaking long i don't know but but you know we don't we don't talk about that stuff in that case and and i think that again college football (laughs) this is funny because you know of of our personalities and, and sort of beliefs too but like College football requires a lot of lies to work. And no, no, I mean, like, yeah, when it gets to the top, it absolutely does. Right. Right. There was, there was a reason why SMU Memphis was so much fun was because it, you, it was kind of fun in an evil way because you realize, like, oh, one of these teams is just out of the picture, right? Right, like, like, right, right. You realize, you realize as far as the national conversation goes, whoever loses this game, no one's going to remember what they did this year. Obviously, we remember SMU because we're in the state, but like as far as the national picture goes, it's like, oh yeah, both these teams shot at something big is ruined, <laughs> completely <laughs> ruined, and that's why that game was so appealing to a national audience, um, because you have that little sliver of a chance, that little bitty string that the brass ring is tied to that you can maybe jump onto if you win that game, and... <laughs> Yeah, it it just, it just completely goes away. But right. again, it's it's my it's my worrying suspicion that I mean that eventually it will it will go away, right. and that eventually that you know the the big conferences will want to take their ball and go home. Like right. they've more or less blocked out teams as it is. Um, 
because now it seems now it seems like a struggle. You know, you you might have a Central Michigan every once in a while, but like, you know, the idea of the Boise State and the Hawaii getting into the you know getting into a New Year's Bowl every year or something like that, like it's it's very hard now and it's very difficult. So. Yeah, it's just it's wild. Um, I knew it was a wild scenario, but I just kept thinking. I was like, I was like, twenty twenty's already been the year of like very, very just like bad bad things just happening all around. And I was like, that'd be a very twenty twenty thing, just to be like, oh yeah, by the way, the Power Five is just gonna do its own thing. <laughs> Man, I the other thing too is that. I'll tell you what, it is absolutely no coincidence that the Pac-12 made sure that the Big Ten acted first, because (laughs) I'll tell you what, the Pac-12 moves to the spring, and everybody else goes on, and the Pac- then it becomes the power four. Like, it's just kind of interesting, right? Because, and we all know this, right? This isn't, like, any secret to anybody, but, like, the Big Ten and the SEC are just functioning on a different level than everybody else. That doesn't mean yes. that theirs are the only teams that can win the title by any means. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're the only relevant teams. Nothing like that. But as conferences monetarily, they are just functioning on a completely different level than everybody else. Right. And the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and I don't think the ACC gets enough credit for being one of these two, uh, they are just trying to catch up. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, so... That's always going to be the interesting thing, too, right? Is that, like, Clemson is bigger than the ACC. If Clemson went independent, the only group that would be impacted by that would be the ACC. It would not be Clemson. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, again, you start, once you start, like, peeling the, you know, the thread on, you know, one of these issues, all of a sudden, like, this whole thing just becomes like uh you know all all comes into question basically so so man but but i'll tell you what it's i think that one thing that we know for certain is that one way or another uh you know whether it's because of player empowerment whether it's because of um, compensation whether it's because of the split between group of five and and power five even even within the power five schools i mean Mm -hmm. Fall 21 is going to look very, very different. Yes. And, and I, don't even, I don't even think that we have come close to, to really understanding the ways that that will happen, but it will look very different. Yeah, I'm one, like, what I think, what I think we're, we're going to be eventually walking into is a delayed season, right? Like, you have right. to. I think you have to look at, you know, not only not only just players' bodies, obviously, you're just breaking down, having to play two seasons in roughly six months, but, like, recruiting obviously has to get back on schedule, mm-hmm. um, and everything else has to get back. I mean, you know, life, would you would imagine, has to get back on schedule in a certain way, but, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe a spring national championship game. Right, maybe in March. I don't want. Well, obviously not March. They don't want to conflict with basketball. But you know, like February, maybe around before the Super Bowl or something, if it gets pushed back that way, um, or just a shrunken season in the fall. Like right, if they go eight games or something like that next fall um, across the board. So something, yeah, some type of consolidation or like a truncated season or an adjusted season will have to be will have to be managed because. Yeah, it's <laughs> the idea of playing two seasons in six months is completely insane, and that's assuming obviously both these, both spring and next fall go off completely fine, right? Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting the next couple of months. Uh, anyway, 
Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, once again, if you're not already, become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, look, at this point, all of the FBS schools are still playing, so the previews are still 100% correct in our magazine mm-hmm. at this particular moment, even if the schedule might be a, a little bit off, a little bit off. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, For Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan J. Raja. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will be back with you again next week.